This is the Joe and Amber podcast. The spell has been broken with this Kansas City Chiefs win because, Joe, I'm no longer sick. I survived Phoenix, Arizona. I am back. I survived the tequila and way too much fun at the Waste Management Open and at Super Bowl parties. I, I can even bend my toe again after dropping that glass jar on my toe a few weeks ago. I feel like I'm on the mend. Things are looking up since I chose the Chiefs and they won this thing. I'm glad to hear it. And I want everyone to know that I'm being completely authentic right now. I'm not playing into the bit. I am now sick. I'm supposed to go on vacation tomorrow. It's going to be a complete disaster. My team lost the Super Bowl. So I don't know how it was that you were able to take your awful black cat luck and throw (laughs) it on to me from thousands of miles away. Yet here we are. Here we are. Here we are, Amber Wilson. Transferred it right over, but Joe and Amber continues fourth no matter what, even (laughs) if we're both playing hurt. Amber Wilson, Joe Fortenbaugh taking you up until 9 o'clock Eastern. You can find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can also find Juju Smith, and boy, can you find him on social media. Now, James Bradbury, after the Super Bowl, he did all the right things. He said all the right things, all class. He admitted that he got a part of that jersey and that it was technically holding. And to some extent, that shuts down part of the conversation. Well, that does not stop Juju Smith-Schuster from taking to social media today, putting up on Instagram a picture of a Valentine's Day card featuring Bradbury with a message that reads, I'll hold you when it matters most. Just straight up troll this Juju Smith-Schuster. A.J. Brown was not a fan of uh, Smith-Schuster's move here at all. So A.J. Brown got involved in the mix. He goes back at Juju. He says, first off, congratulations. Y'all deserve it. This is lame. You was on the way out of the league before Mahomes resurrected your career on your one-year deal. TikTok boy. (laughs) He admitted that he grabbed you in a reference there to Bradbury, but don't act like like that or ever was. But congratulations again. And then there's uh, emojis, including a cheers emoji. Juju responded to that tweet from AJ Brown. Glad you were finally able to get all that off your chest after all these years. Good game, bro. And gave him a thumbs up with a ring emoji. What do you make of a Twitter beef after the Super Bowl? Very excited. Very excited. Very much enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. First off, the the card that Juju posted with Bradbury and the commentary, I'll hold you when it matters most. That was absolutely hilarious. Now, hilarious. I understand and this again, coming from an Eagles fan. I'm not knocking Bradbury. He had a great season. I just that's hilarious. Like he he, he played right into it. It's a great joke. They won the game. He, the, 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 what does they say? The winners are the ones who write history. I know it was said in a more articulate fashion than that, but ultimately I thought it was hilarious. Now, AJ Brown's response, I thought was also fantastic. That was a great clap back. The only thing I would criticize about any of it was Juju responding to Brown then saying, glad you got all that off your chest or whatever. You don't get to play the victim in that spot though. That's the thing. You don't get to fire the first shot. And then when someone counter punches you, you go ahead and play the victim. Like, Oh, I guess you wanted to get all that off your chest for a while now. I didn't really feel like he was, I didn't feel like he was playing the victim. I felt like he was like trying to brush it off at that point. Like, I felt like Juju was just like, all right, bro, I guess uh, good for you getting all that off your chest. Like just kind of tried to keep it moving. You're right. It doesn't necessarily elicit another response from Juju. I don't get like it's Juju Smith Schuster big time on TikTok. Like all AJ Brown's response did was make me feel old because I'm like, wait, why is Juju a TikTok boy? I don't know. I don't get it. (laughs) 
And like, I, is that I a bad either. thing? Is that a good thing in 2023? I was I was terrified when they when they uh, signed him uh, this year that him and Jackson Mahomes were just going to TikTok the Chiefs into oblivion. So you're saying Juju terrified. is a big TikTok guy? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Okay. That's, like, thank you for clarifying that. Was a big that. Thing, that was a big thing last year when he was going to the 50 yard line and dancing, and everyone got mad at him. You remember that? Ah, uh, but okay. is that he was, like a he bad? Was posting that on like, TikTok. Like, yeah, I do that know pe- that was for, yeah. people make fun of Jackson Mahomes for it, but, like, is it a bad thing to be popular on TikTok? I feel it, like it's a good thing to be, like, a TikTok boy in, in 2023 if we're, if we're being this, real, right? I mean, there's people making millions of dollars off of that. I don't know. I don't get it. That guy, is a bar- that guy is a barnacle on his brother's yacht of success. That's all he is. And hey, it's hilarious wait. watching him just glob on and watching these things happen with his brother, like trying to do interviews, thinking to himself, my God, man, I'm out here trying to win Super Bowls. I got to carry this family. And then here you are dancing in the background. What's the famous line? Dancing all up in the videos. The the Suge Knight commentary from the, uh, what were those, the Source Awards back in the day? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? We need someone to call in on this. He was trying to recruit Biggie to come over to death row. And he talked right. about if you don't want the producer all dancing up in your oh, videos. Because well, you referring in a reference to P. P. Diddy. Diddy. Yes. yes. I do yes. remember this now. Wow. Throwback. That's Jackson Mahomes. Let's, let's He's go dancing back to all up in the video. 30 years ago and break it down. West <laughs> I'm Coast. I'm so proud of that pull. <laughs> Tupac for life. Anyways. So, uh, yes, that was uh, that was quite the reference by you. I don't really <laughs> know what uh, Suge Knight and Jackson Mahomes have in common. I'm not sure much. but I, I got it there. This. I will say this. You you did get it there. You got it all the way there, Joe. I'm impressed. Uh, I will say this. I think that a lot of people make fun of that family for, I guess, riding the coattails. Real talk. If my brother was Patrick Mahomes. I mean, and my brother does very well for himself. And sometimes I reap the benefits off of that. And my brother ain't Patrick Mahomes. Like, if my brother was Patrick Mahomes, I'd probably take advantage of it to some extent. Now, I'm not saying I'd be a TikTok star because that's not me. But I guess good for him if that's what he could turn it into. I think it's better to be turtle and entourage. Understand that you are 0% responsible for the success. So do what you can to contribute to the group cause. Turtle was always the, do you even know what I'm talking about? Yes, here, I, I do. Head? No, but also another 20 year old reference, but yes, I'm very okay. with you. With turtle so you are with me on entourage. entourage. Yes. yes. Turtle would be the, the driver for Vinny Chase. So none of them ever had to worry about driving drunk or anything. Turtle was going to be the driver. Turtle ran the errands. Turtle understood his role in the evolutionary hierarchy amongst that group. You had Vinny Chase at the top, and then you had Johnny Drama and E figuring out their way. Turtle was at the bottom, but Turtle played his role well. He was great as a supporting cast member, and I'm not saying supporting cast in terms of actors, supporting cast amongst the group. Jackson Mahomes out there, he's trying to do too much. He's dancing all up in the videos, and it's not his video. Maybe. I don't know. We always hate on people for nepotism, and we always hate on people for... For having some advantages, and the truth is that if you've got the advantages, maybe use some of the advantages. Like if your brother's Patrick Mahomes, maybe go out there and use it to your advantage to some extent. Again, TikTok star probably wouldn't be what I would turn it into, but I'd probably darn sure turn it into some crazy access to some really cool stuff. Joe and Amber is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. Call or click today and find out if you could save you hundreds on your car insurance. Coming up next, Derek Carr is officially free from the Las Vegas Raiders. Where will he end up next? Will he make 
his next team a Super Bowl contender. Let's get into it. This is Joe and Amber, ESPN Radio. Also listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. The Raiders have officially released Derek Carr. We will get into potential landing spots. What is next for Derek Carr? But first, let's try to earn you a little pizza money. All right? Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Decent little start to the week. Two and one yesterday, plus .90 units. That brings the last 10 shows to 20 and 13 up 16.65 units. Pizza money number one tonight. We go to the NBA. This one starts in about 14 minutes. It's the Bucks minus eight and a half over the Celtics. You're not going to recognize this Celtics starting lineup tonight. No Jason Tatum, no Marcus Smart, no Jalen Brown. The entire starting five from the beginning of the season, from what I understand, out for this game, which is why they're eight and a half point dogs to a Milwaukee freight train that has been unstoppable as of late. Last 10 games, 10 and 0 straight up, seven and three against the spread, winning by an average of 13 points per game. Celtic offense has really taken a step back since about mid-January. They got up to that point. They were number one in the NBA. They are 16th since. We're going to take advantage of the injuries. Bucks minus eight and a half over the Celtics. Pizza money number one for tonight, Valentine's Day, February 14th. Raiders released quarterback Derek Carr ahead of the deadline where $40 million of his contract's guaranteed. 2021, Derek Carr midseason was an MVP candidate. I just love the beauty of him being a free and clear free agent. Yes, happy Valentine's Day, y'all. A Valentine's Day... 
for Derek Carr as well. Uh, he's probably feeling the love, or he's certainly about to, because he's going to be one of the more coveted free agents at his position now that he has been let go and released into freedom by the Las Vegas Raiders. Derek Carr would not ra- waive his no-trade clause, a boss move. We know things had gone south between him and that organization at the end. He said, nope, not helping you guys out. The Raiders said, all right, well, we don't want to be on the hook for having to pay you $40 million, which they would have by 3 p.m. today. So they went ahead. They released Derek Carr. He can go anywhere he wants now at this point. And so it's interesting to consider where. Where do you want to go if you're Derek Carr? And also, who wants Derek Carr? Where do you have him going, Joe? Well, if you're Derek Carr, you got to be looking to follow the Matthew Stafford blueprint here, right? Stafford spent his entire career in Detroit, went to the playoffs maybe twice. It was a career where he was rolling up big numbers and playing relatively well, but a lot of people always argued whether or not he was a true franchise quarterback because the organization just couldn't break through. He leaves Detroit. He goes to a good team with the Rams. He immediately wins a Super Bowl, answering the question of whether or not he was a franchise guy. It all turned out to be Detroit's fault. Carr's in a similar situation. He was with a struggling franchise for his entire career, and you wonder, is he better than what we've seen? Was it the franchise holding him back, or have we seen his absolute best days, and he's a good quarterback but not a great quarterback? So if I'm him, I'm probably thinking I want to try to follow the Stafford blueprint. I'd like to start winning at some point in my career, given everything that's going on with the Raiders since he got there with all the coaching changes and whatnot. He's going to have suitors. Do you want to go to a place like the Jets? Because it seems like that might be plan B for the Jets. Obviously, everybody out there is going to want Aaron Rodgers. I'm sure you would agree with that. Carr is probably the number two option for a lot of these teams. If he lands with the Jets, what does that do? Does that put them over the top? Because I could see that situation being mm, eight and nine, and suddenly everyone in New York starting to wonder, we just went out and brought in a franchise quarterback, and it turns out he's not really a franchise quarterback. Here's the problem with the Jets. The Jets are not the Matthew Stafford plan, at least not in my mind. Now, not that the Jets aren't a good team, and is they are a team on the come-up, that's fine. But they're a team on the come-up. They're a very, very young team. It's part of the good thing about the New York Jets. They've drafted brilliantly here in their last couple drafts. They, they have the rookie of the year on offense and defense this season I mean it's not to knock them for being young but at the same time it doesn't feel like you added Derek Carr to that team and we're all of a sudden talking Super Bowl which was the Matthew Stafford plan and so I do feel like I don't know if Derek Carr with the experience that you just mentioned that he had in Las Vegas does he want to go to a team that could have those growing pains because it's a young team and you're there for many years and you're working with that team I don't know from that perspective if I like the fit so much Whereas if they had a young quarterback that could kind of grow with that team. Now, Derek Carr is younger than a lot of people realize. It feels like he's been in the league for 20 years. He's 31 years old. So it's not like Derek Carr is an old quarterback. But we are talking about a quarterback who is in his 30s. Another team that I think maybe isn't talked about as a landing spot for Derek Carr because I'm just not sure that we're thinking of it as a landing spot for quarterbacks generally. But how about that team that Tom Brady just retired from? How about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, a team like that, that, yes, they did not do well this past season, but you do have Chris Godwin. You do have Mike Evans. You do have some things in place. Todd Bowles would have to step it up as a coach. It wasn't pretty this past season, but I do wonder if the way that that team is, and they have to find a running game again, but I wonder if that team is a bit more constructed in a win-now kind of sense because, again, they aren't far removed from actually doing that and winning a Super Bowl. Would that be an attractive landing spot to him? 
I'm going to throw them into a category with another team, and I'm going to put them together. Tampa and Washington. All right, okay. Washington, people laugh. They're 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one last year. They've got some pieces on the defensive side. Terry McLaurin at wide receiver. Uh, Ryan Robinson at running back. There are some skilled players there. Ron Rivera is a player's coach, very well respected around the league. The reason I put Rivera and the commanders in the same category as Bulls and the Buccaneers, if you're Derek Carr and you show up there and things don't go well in year one, those are two coaches that enter the season on the hot seat. Two guys mm-hmm. that if the season goes south, they could be out. And Carr has been through God knows how many coaching changes at this point in his career. It's been nothing but coaching changes, coordinator changes, GM changes. The guy had very little stability around him during his entire stretch. His team didn't even stay in the same damn city during the entire duration he was there. He had to move from Oakland to Las Vegas. So the complete opposite of stability is what he got coming into the league now I wonder if you look at Tampa if you look at Washington you say to yourself how stable are those situations a little shaky in my opinion both are potential fits that need quarterbacks but both shaky based on where the head coaches currently are the problem is the teams that need quarterbacks tend to be shaky particularly at the coaching position right so he's going to have a hard time finding a team that has that sort of continuity that actually needs a quarterback. We could stay inside that division, I think, in terms of the Bucks, and throw another team in that division in that same pot that you just threw Washington and Tampa in, in the New Orleans Saints. I feel like they kind of fit that bill in the conversation as well. I know a lot of people on our national shows today across our television platform, like on First Take, Keyshawn Johnson was talking about how the Saints is where Derek Carr should target. I'm not big on the Saints. I think that we're talking about, like a Michael Thomas, a receiver that hasn't been the same since 2019. I understand that obviously they have some other pieces there. I don't know. Is Dennis Allen a good head coach? I haven't seen it yet. But so again, the same sort of questions, but that division in the NFC South for both of those landing spots in Tampa and New Orleans, I think you'd be looking at that division of your Derek Carr and maybe that division would be attractive. We can get to the phone line here. Triple Eight. Let me throw one note on there. I want to throw one note on top of that. Dennis Allen was in Oakland when Derek Carr was drafted. There's a relationship there. There's a reason the Saints were already looking into Derek Carr and then they probably all came together and said, look, we can get this deal done without a trade. Why would we do the trade when we don't have to? Because that was the rumor last week was that he was granted permission to meet with New Orleans so if you're a betting man the front runner right now is probably the New Orleans Saints I probably wouldn't do it if I was Derek I don't love it I don't love the pieces there I don't think that they're in a win now sort of situation but he certainly I could see being attracted to that situation because of his familiarity that's it that is important the Dennis Allen connection Jason is in Reno Jason gave us a call at triple eight say ESPN that's how you join the conversation Jason thanks for the call what do you have Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it, guys. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. Thanks so much. We only got like a minute. We're up against the clock. All right. No, no problem. I'm a Midwest transplant out here in the in the West. But uh, Colts fan, I'm not hearing much love about who are the Colts going to take for a quarterback. And I can tell you, I'd welcome him, uh, welcome in Derek Carr anytime. So uh, I'll hang up. Appreciate the vine. The Colts certainly will be looking for a quarterback as well. Steichen gets announced as their head coach today. The Eagles lose both their OC and DC. And yeah, they're going to be a team that is going to be looking for a quarterback. I would imagine a team that will be courting a Derek Carr. And it's what Joe I think they're going through the draft. I think they have the number four pick. They're probably going through the draft. It's what Joe mentioned, that there are going to be suitors. But you're right. They're in a position to draft a quarterback under a brand new head coach. I feel like 
like that would be, frankly, more of the move there. And don't forget, Derek Carr also holds a lot of power in this scenario. Joe and Amber, the podcast. Joe and Amber, Joe Fortenbaugh, Amber Wilson. Find him on social at Joe Fortenbaugh. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. You can also always join the conversation. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. It is time now for us to sound on, sound off. They said it, but what did they really mean? What are you trying to say to us? Sound on, sound off with Joe and Amber. The Indianapolis Colts. They got their guy and Shane Steichen to be their next head coach. The next step is, of course, finding a franchise quarterback. Here's Steichen on what he's looking for at that position. I think accuracy, uh, decision-making, and the ability to create are the three things that uh, I look at in a quarterback. Um, I think those are important, but obviously above the neck. I think the, you know, the players that I've been around, Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert and Phillip Rivers, uh, they all have one thing in common. They're obsessed with their craft. Uh, and if you can find that uh, in a quarterback, you're probably going to have some success. James Deal. Yeah, Joe, if you're uh, Steichen and Ballard, which QB are you drafting in April? Well, it's obviously going to come down to who's available, right? Unless you are able to trade up and get in front of the Houston Texans at number two. Chicago Bears apparently not looking for a quarterback. They're number one. If you're Indy, you got to reboot. All right, you got to reboot. Look at what they've done the last few years. They tried it with Phillip Rivers. You know, it was nice for a year. They went to the playoffs. They tried it with Carson Wentz. It didn't work out. They tried it with Matt Ryan. It didn't work out. Start young. Build up the next big franchise guy. Bryce Young makes a lot of sense. Very mobile. Very accurate. Total football nerd. Checks a lot of the boxes that Steichen's looking for. C.J. Stroud apparently played so well in that game against Georgia in the semifinal that his stock went through the roof. That may have been the best game I've seen any quarterback play all year in college football. But I would say Young would be the top candidate for Indy. I don't think he's going to be there. Yeah, I'm not going probably with Will Levis. I'm not really super high, even though I'm a Gator on Anthony Richardson. Uh, a, a lot of upside, a lot of talent. I've seen it, but there needs to be a lot of talent development as well. I mean, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are probably the guys if they're available to you. I don't know if they're going to be available to that team. I thought that 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 bite was funny, honestly, from Steichen. I mean, what else is he going to say? But it's like, I too would like to draft a guy like Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I too would like to draft a quarterback with with accuracy yeah. and all I want him to be slow, inaccurate, <laughs> right? stupid. That's what we're looking for here in Indianapolis. Right? Oh man, what a uh, what a PC sort of answer. The Cowboys had another disappointing and early exit in the playoffs this season, but our own Mike Tannenbaum says the ceiling is still high for Dallas. Jerry Jones, the ultimate salesman in Vegas in the Super Bowl, and Brian Schottenheimer, the new offensive coordinator of the Cowboys, will impact Dak Prescott lower those 17 interceptions. If they do that, find a receiver in the draft, which I think they will to replace Amari Cooper. They'll be right there with Philadelphia and San Francisco. Amber, how many teams would you say are uh, better contenders to win the Super Bowl in the NFC than the Cowboys? Better than the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl? In the NFC. Where would you rank in the, the NFC? In the I mean, NFC? I'm, well, I, w- I would put the Cowboys up there, but I also had the Cowboys up there this season. The Cowboys should be part of that conversation in terms of true Super Bowl contenders once again. But I would say I'd put the Eagles above them. Although, again, Eagles about to lose a bunch of pieces. Now they lose their DC and their OC. What's that team going to be like coming off of all of those losses? The 49ers, but who's playing quarterback for the 49ers? 
49ers next season? I don't even know. I mean, short of them, like I never was high on the Vikings. I'm not one who thinks the Lions are going to walk their way into a Super Bowl over the Cowboys next season. So I think that the Cowboys for me would be right up there as part of that conversation, Joe. If we use Vegas, the Niners are the favorites to win the NFC. They're three to one. The Eagles are right behind them at plus three forty. And then you have the Dallas Cowboys at plus six fifty. So third best odds to win the NFC. Here's where it gets interesting. Detroit has the fourth best odds to win the NFC. They're ahead of Minnesota. They're ahead of Green Bay, Tampa Bay. Think about that for a second. Now, the one that I think people need to start paying attention to are the Los Angeles Rams. Everyone was banged up. They had a lousy season. McVay, rumors that he might want to retire. So people have checked out on them. Stafford's coming back healthy. Aaron Donald's coming back healthy. Jalen Ramsey's coming back healthy. Cooper Cup is coming back healthy. And Sean McVay is back at head coach. Do not sleep on the Rams. If they figure some things out in the offseason and bulk up that roster a little bit, they're going to be right back in contention. It was injuries that derailed them this year. No love for the Giants, huh? Uh, they're sitting there at about 16 to 1, so they're middle of the pack. They had a great season, but you have to remember they outperformed their expectation due to a lot of advanced analytics. Next year, they might come back to earth a little bit. That doesn't mean they're not a good team, it just means that it may have been too much too soon for them. The Suns, let's switch to the NBA for a moment. They made a blockbuster trade at the deadline to acquire Kevin Durant, adding him to a core that already consisted of Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. Does that make Phoenix the team to beat in the West? Here's our very own Tim Legler. This will be the team to beat. I'm not going to discount the year that Denver has had to this point. They're a complete team, and, and I love their starting five, and they've got a two-time MVP. But when you're talking about Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and particularly playing together, and now that burden taken off of Chris Paul to have to be a big-time scorer to carry teams through the postseason, because now he can pick his spots. He's going to be preserved to a greater extent than he has ever been for a deep playoff run, and they've got a dominant big. Ultimately projecting out, this will be the team I expect to represent the West in the finals. So, Joe, who is the biggest threat to the Suns in the West? Great question. They are the favorites at plus 230, as they should be. If they stay healthy, I don't know if anyone can beat them. But the health is the concern because Durant tends to break down every year. Chris Paul, we've seen him break down in the playoffs in crucial spots before. The infamous hamstring injury against the Warriors like five, six years ago, whenever that was. I, I, I really want to say the Clippers. I just can't get behind them. I can't believe in a team that takes the whole regular season off, then just figures they're going to flip the switch in the playoffs and figure it out. So the biggest threat right now would be the Denver Nuggets. I know it's an obvious one. They're number two in the odds. They're number one in seeding. But with Jokic and Jamal Murray and the way they're playing this year, that would have to be the biggest threat because I think there are less question marks, Amber, with the Nuggets than with a lot of these other teams. I was hoping you were going to go Mavs there. Uh, we both agree on the Nuggets, so this conversation isn't going to be particularly interesting. Jokic, I think people don't realize the pieces around him, the injuries that that team had suffered last season. They're healthy now. They're obviously sitting atop of the standings for a reason. Outside of the Suns, the Mavericks would be the other portion of this conversation, except for you saw it last night, the issues, and I know we're going to get into it a little bit later in the show, the issues with who's going to take the last shot. Luca, Kyrie, they're still figuring things out. I don't know if that automatically necessarily makes Dallas the biggest threat. I'll stick with the Nuggets for now. They've won 40 games already this season. On Tuesday, Tiger Woods announced he would play in the Genesis Invitational this week. What are his expectations for this weekend? Here is Tiger Woods. I would not have put myself out here if I didn't think I could beat these guys and, and win the event. Um, that's 
my mentality. And if I wasn't ready to win at this level, I know I am very rusty. Um, but I've come off rusty situations before, and I've done well, and uh, I've had to utilize a lot of those tactics in practice and, and build up. And plus, also, I know this, this golf course. Uh, I know I haven't had a lot of success on this golf course, but I, I knew what to practice for, uh, shots to hit. Um, I was at home getting ready. So, Amber, uh, every time Tiger comes back, we set the bar really high for what he's going to be able to do. What kind of expectations should we have for Tiger's return to the course this time around? None. I mean, he's a competitor. He has expectations for himself. He's always going to have expectations for himself. He's a 15-time PGA major champion. That's all great. That's all well and good. We know what he has suffered since, and we know that he's not the same golfer. I have no expectations for Tiger from a competitive standpoint other than getting to witness him play golf. And further, he can make make it in these tournaments, the longer we get him to, to be able to do that, the longer we get to witness it. I think really that's sort of the point now of Tiger's career. Could he be a champion again one day? I don't know. I'm not going to totally bet against Tiger Woods, Joe, but it has certainly uh, been quite the journey for Tiger to get back to this point. And I think it's uh, far too soon for us to have real expectations from a competitive standpoint. He's 47 years old. He hasn't played since the Open Championship last year. He only played in three total tournaments last year, the Masters, the PGA Championship, and the Open Championship, and he's 150 to 1 to win this tournament. So everything there tells you what you need to know about what we should expect this weekend. Don't have expectations this weekend. Just enjoy the ride. The injuries, the age. We got probably his last great showing at Augusta a few years ago when he came out of nowhere and won that thing. Don't do this thing about how many more majors will he win? Will he ever catch Jack? Don't worry about that stuff. Just enjoy getting to see him when you have the opportunity to see him. He's the greatest to have ever done it, and it's fantastic that he's still able to get out there on the golf course despite that accident he had a few years back. Keeping in mind, and this is one part of the audio we did not play, he has not walked four rounds in a long, long time. And that is going to take its toll on him. So just keep that in mind going in. Don't set a high bar. Just enjoy the show while it still lasts. Joey and Amber is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, I mentioned it just moments ago when we were talking about the Western Conference in the NBA. Are Luka and Kyrie going to be able to figure things out for the Dallas Mavericks? We'll get into last night. This is Joe and Amber on ESPN Radio. You can also listen to us on the ESPN app. Joe and Amber, the podcast. That was a Luka Doncic turnover in the final seconds there of their game last night. Dallas lost 124 to 121, despite Doncic dropping 33 points, 12 boards, and six assists in 36 minutes. Kyrie scored 26 of his 36 points in the final period alone. He was playing hero ball there towards the end of the game. It was not enough, though. He had hit a three-pointer with 27.8 seconds left. He cut Minnesota's lead, 123 to 121. The problem was those Doncic turnovers there in the final minute of the game, and then also their inability to seemingly decide who's going to take the last shot. And that was obvious last night, and it was on display, Joe, the does the need still for those two guys to build some chemistry together before we get into the what that means for the future of the Dallas Mavericks let's try to earn you a little bit more pizza money pizza money number two pizza money alert pizza pizza 
All right, this one starts in 13 minutes. We're going to the ice. It's the Blues. It's the Panthers. It's over six and a half goals. These are two of the worst defensive teams in the NHL as both rank bottom 10 in goals allowed per game. Florida, fortunately, ranks seventh in scoring. It looks like Spencer Knight is going to be in net for Florida tonight. Instead of Sergei Bobrovsky, that's a downgrade. Jordan Binnington going for the Blues. He has been just all out of sorts over the last month and a half. So we're looking for a lot of goals tonight. Pizza money number two over six and a half goals. Blues Panthers. So the pairing there of Kyrie and Luca have not actually netted any wins yet for the Dallas Mavericks. Only a couple game sample size so far, but it was obvious that they still have some chemistry building to do. Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic last night, both Mavericks guards were at their press conference. They were asked about what happened on that final possession last night. I really wanted this win, so uh, to all the Dallas fans at home, I apologize for not getting at least a shot up or something. I'm cringing myself. Uh, but it's fun and competition, and I'm um, just learning more about my teammates as we continue to be in these situational games. I was trying to get him a shot. He trying to get me a shot, so at the end, nobody got a shot. Uh, but he was going off, you know, so uh, we tried to get a shot off, and we couldn't. Here's the problem, Joe. You have two, and we said this was going to be a problem. Like, you have two superstars who are used to having the ball in their hands, particularly in with Luka. I mean, Luka has the ball in his hand more than anybody else in the entire league. Superstars have that. But then you have Kyrie come in, and now all of a sudden you're having Luka try to figure out how to be deferential to Kyrie in those moments when Kyrie is trying to be deferential to Luka in those moments. And the whole disruption of Luka's flow was ob- was obvious as well. Like Kyrie presses a lot more than Luka. He speeds things up a lot more than Luka. And it just felt like Luka was off his game there in that final 105 last night, which is why he coughs up the ball a couple times. Easy. I know this is going to happen. It's going to happen on TV shows, radio shows. Everyone's going to overreact. It's been five games since Kyrie has been traded to the Dallas Mavericks. He hasn't played in all of them. Luka hasn't played in all of them. They've only played in a couple games together. Give them time. You're right. You make a perfect point. Luka has the second highest usage rate of any NBA player right now. I think Embiid may have been number one or he was right up there. The point is, this is going to take some time to figure out. Kyrie's played with LeBron. He's played with Kevin Durant. He's going to work on it. Luka's going to understand that if he really wants to go to the next level, he's going to need some help. You can't continue on the path you're on and expect to break through. Last year, they learned that the hard way. They thought they were moving in the right direction with that win over the Suns. That was a great second-round win, and then the Warriors absolutely waxed them because the Warriors are a team, and Dallas is one individual. So now it's going to take some time. I would say that while the focal point will be on Luka and Kyrie and how they share the ball, the real focal point should be on the defense because they already had significant issues on the defensive end of the court prior to the trade. They were 24th out of 30 teams in defensive efficiency. And in that trade to acquire Kyrie Irving, who isn't exactly an elite defender, they gave up Dorian Finney-Smith, who's their number one defender, one of the best two-way players in the entire NBA. He's gone. So that defense took another hit. So I would be paying more attention to that because they just gave up a buck 24 to Minnesota right after giving up a buck 33 to Sacramento. Yeah, that's the price you pay for bringing in another offensive facilitator there in Kyrie Irving, uh, a risk that they were willing to take. The thing is there, though, you mentioned that Kyrie learned how to play alongside LeBron. He learned how to play alongside KD. Did he? 
Like he's, I wouldn't say that he did with Good Kevin question. Durant, really. I mean, we saw it so little. And with LeBron, like, fine, yes, they have the championship together. They complimented each other from a basketball perspective, but begrudgingly so. He didn't want to compliment LeBron, even if physically and talent-wise, frankly, he does the way that both of those guys play their game. Like, he couldn't wait to get out of there, even though we saw it work in a small snippet. And that championship team in Cleveland did need a little help like it it needed a little help from the Warriors in that series it needed Draymond to kick somebody in the groin right like there it wasn't it wasn't a perfect science is my point with those two alongside each other but it did work there it worked in a vacuum it worked in a very small snippet and Kyrie left that situation the second he could force his way out of that situation the second that he could so I just I guess because of Kyrie's resume I just don't have the same level of confidence that you do of like oh well those guys will figure it out it's like will they figure it out and Kyrie only has this season to figure it out in Dallas or maybe I should say Luca really only has this season to figure out alongside Kyrie because I would imagine that if it doesn't go so hot this season the Mavericks probably aren't offering Kyrie a deal they're going to be fun to watch. They're going to be a very high-scoring team that gives up a lot of points. We've already seen that a couple games in. This is going to be a fun team to watch, and they have enough time between now and the end of the season where they can figure something out, where they can jockey in the playoff positioning, and they can win themselves a series. I truly believe that they can figure this out by then and put themselves in a position to win a series. The question is, when you get to the second and third round in the conference, you're looking at potential games or matchups, I should say, against a team like the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they made some moves at the trade deadline. They bring in Bones Highland. Um, You take a look at Denver. If you end up trolling them, that's not going to be an easy out. The Warriors, if they get healthy, is going to be a very difficult challenge. Phoenix, God forbid, it would be great to see Kyrie going against Kevin Durant, but Durant has Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Chris Paul backing him up. I don't think you're getting by them. So you might be able to win a series. You might be able to figure it out. But in terms of a deep run, it's going to take a lot more because the playoffs in the NBA are all about defense. History has shown the elite defenses are the ones that advance. You cannot roll into the playoffs with a great offense and a bottom 10 defense and expect to go anywhere. It doesn't happen. Conference winners over the last 20 plus years, you almost never see a defense in the bottom 10 or even the bottom half of the league make it to the NBA Finals. It's a it's an absolute staple. You got to be able to get stops. And the NBA defense really, really, really does win championships. Joe and Amber is brought to you by Wendy's two for six bucks. The best deal in fast food. It is a stacked conference like Joe just mentioned. I mean, the Mavericks started that game last night, fourth in the conference. The Timberwolves started that game eighth in the Western Conference standings. Those two teams, though, were separated by just one and a half games in a very, very close close playoff race. So every single game right now matters in the Western Conference. And then, of course, Kyrie Irving, after the game, he says he doesn't want any uh, questions about his future. That he, he gets it, it brings a lot of drama. He doesn't want the questions about his future. That he just wants to focus on the now. I don't know how that's going to go for Kyrie because, of course, he's probably going to continue to get questions there about his future coming up next it's tuesday so you know what that means aaron Rodgers was on the pat mcafee show he's making headlines once again he said that things will get into them next joe and amber the podcast